Well, good morning and welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist. We're glad that you're here today. Today is a special Sunday. It is Men's Sunday and we are so excited about you being here and many of our guests that we have not only down here that you've enjoyed hearing, but some of our others that you will hear um, throughout the service. So if you're here today for the first time, welcome. Let me say that uh, following the service, I'll be in the vestibule and would love the opportunity to meet you and get to know you a little bit more if we haven't uh, had that opportunity to talk. And also in your bulletin, you'll find a tear off that you can place some information about yourself or your family, or if you have a prayer concern this morning, maybe you're been a member here a long time, but you would like for us to be not, uh, be aware of something, a prayer concern, and so you're invited to put that on there as well. Tear this off and place it in the offering plate as it comes by a little later in the service. But we are so glad that you are here for this special Sunday. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you for everyone that's in within this place. We pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our spirits, to receive what you would have for us today. Bless each one speaking, each one singing today. Father, may we experience your presence as we gather to worship you today. Help us to put aside those things that uh, could distract us from hearing you speak to us this morning. And Lord, we do pray that uh, when we leave this place, we'll say it's good to have been in your house today. God, we love you and we commit this time to you. It's in Jesus' name, God's people say, amen. Morning, everybody. Everybody glad to be here? Say amen. amen. Well, after uh, um, this week of thinking about what uh, I need to say and, and everything, uh, uh, this doesn't tell, the bulletin doesn't tell you what I need to talk about or what I'm going to talk about this morning. But if you turn to your bulletins every, every Sunday and look on Sunday morning, the first thing, what does it say? Men's Bible study. Well, that's the group I'm here to talk about this morning. Uh, first off, I want to tell you what we're not. What we're not, okay? Uh, we're not a secret group or anything like that. We don't have little secret signs like the, you know, little rascals, little high signs and stuff, you know. We're not uh, He-Man Woman Haters Club or anything like that, you know. So since we know what we're not, let me tell you what, where we uh, started and what we've done and, and, and where we are today. Well, it's been roughly, what we figured out roughly six years ago or so, Wesley Smith uh, had contacted several of us and he'd been wanting to make a men's group for a number of years. Well, this is a perfect opportunity because, do you remember the movie Courageous? All right, we had the movie Courageous here and now uh, we had a, a men's Bible study and a, and a woman's Bible study on the courageous. Well, Wesley had contacted me several times and contacted other men uh, in the group. And um, uh, one thing that we talked about was when and where, because we were going to have maybe at somebody's house or, uh, or anything like that. So we kind of decided, well, let's just uh, come up with something and then we can change it later. Well, it hasn't changed. We come up with eight o'clock Sunday morning. And, uh, of course, I thought that was great. I'm already here making coffee, so I'll just get up an hour earlier and make, make extra coffee. Uh, so roughly six years ago, it started out with, uh, I think the number we came up with uh, was tw 12 of us originally that started in this group. And um, Wesley led us through the book of Courageous, 
Now these are no particular order, uh, but I just want to go share with you what we've done. The, the movie Courageous, we have done a study on Wild at Heart. The kind of one of the most recent couple years or so ago, War Room, remember that? Uh, Joe Gibbs, Game Plan for Life, we've done that. Uh, there was another little study, uh, I believe it was called Generosity, that we've done that. Uh, and I think I'm missing a book here. We did uh, Bearing Fruit in God's Family. We did uh, deep, Deepening Your Roots. And I think there was another series that we did. Uh, we, we've, we've done so many, it kind of get lost in some of that. Um, but after, after we've gone through some of these studies, we started doing individual books of the Bible, like the book of James, we've gone through that. And uh, after we did that, Wesley, uh, of course, left, and Keith uh, kind of took charge then, but he didn't take charge for very long because I'm not sure how it worked out whether uh, Keith asked Dr. Joe to come in and teach us or uh, whether Joe came in then Keith asked him to teach. I, I can't remember how that happened, but... Um, you know, that's one of them things, you know, in the Baptist life, when you ask somebody to do something, well, and you, and you say, yes, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. Well, you kind of are a permanent fixture. So Joe's our permanent professor now, okay? And uh, we love him. So it, it, it's been great. And as, as Joe took over uh, leadership, he um, has brought us through several books of the Bible. We've gone through Acts, uh, uh, The Missionary Life of Paul, the, uh, all his journeys, we've gone through uh, Corinthians, we've gone through Revelations, and then we've gone on to, to topics like uh, uh, looking at prayer in the Bible, looking at, and of course this morning you can look at uh, uh, the Lord's Supper. That's one thing that you will hear about what we took, what each individual has taken from it. And uh, ju just to let you know now, I don't want you to picture us as sitting in a room with Dr. Joe at the pedestal there and us sitting around and we're, we're sitting there taking notes and Dr. Joe's the only one talking. It doesn't work that way. This is a, a group of men that get into some very deep discussions about Scripture. And that's one, one place where we all grow and we learn from each other. Now, if you come in there and you look at us some Sundays, you think, God, hey, them guys, they don't like each other. But we do. We love each other. And, and you couldn't have put us together. You, you just couldn't put us together. God had to do this because we have so, there, there's a lot of differences between all of us. But we all get along, and that's the beauty of this, this whole thing. Now, I want to take you back just a little bit um, uh, from that. That's, that's our studies and everything, but I want to take you back to uh, the beginning again, which one part that's really important to me, and I know it's important to others too, is, is our prayer life. Now, as we would begin at the beginning, Wesley would just, he'd pray for us, and then we'd go to our study. Then it progressed into others praying, and then we'd go to our study. And then uh, at one time, when the group was smaller, when we had like 12 or so, we'd go around the whole table, and each individual would say a prayer of what's on their mind, their concerns for the day, for the week. 
you know, things going on even in their own lives, you know. Um, and then it progressed back to individuals praying. And then when Dr. Joe came along, you know, if you ever been told just don't look somebody in the eye, you may be called on. Well, I think I accidentally looked in Joe's eyes because he chose me and now that's one thing that's stuck. I'm the prayer leader for the men's group on Sunday mornings. But now I do get, uh, uh, you know, some folks that do volunteer, which I, and I appreciate that. But I, but, but I do enjoy doing that and uh, I get a lot out of it. Now, I'm going to take you back to uh, the beginning again about our prayer. When we would leave, at the beginning, Wesley would say, uh, you know, look to your left, look to your right. That's the men you want to pray for, for during the week. Well, uh, as, as you know, same thing in the Baptist life. Who are you going to be praying for every week? Same people, right? You think you've got assigned seats, right? So <laughs> you're praying for the same folks every week. Uh, so Tommy Green came up with a good idea, and he still does it today, which is great. He's made a list out of, of uh, past and present members, and he prints the names out, and, and he cuts them up, and we put them out on the table. And he does this every Sunday for us, and we get to choose those names. Now, what's important about those names now is we take them home. Now, you may or may not get a phone call or text, but you, but you might. And those phone calls and those texts during the week, you just don't know how much that means to each one of us. You know, how that brightens our day, how that brightens our week. You know, it, it's just a wonderful thing. And I'm going I'm to pick on Ned just a little bit. I'm going to use him as, a, as an example. Because Ed knows I love him, you know. Uh, Take Ed's name, for, exen uh, for example. It, it's more than praying for Ed, okay? You can't help but think about Sybil. You can't help but think about Chris. You can't help but think about the grandchildren. When we pray for each other, it expands. And you'd be surprised. Some of the men in the group, you know, were related to a lot of folks. It goes around about the whole church, you know. And that's the beauty of these names that we get and, and that we pray for uh, each and every week, you know. But, I, but we've also gone on a couple of retreats, and this is where I'm going to pick on it a little bit. Um, we've uh, gone up to Lake James a couple times, and we shared a meal together that night, and uh, we do Bible study. And then we get on into having uh, fun, playing cornhole. Now, Tommy can tell you about the cornhole tournaments. You know, he, he thinks him and Lynn are the winners every time. But, you know, that remains to be seen. There's, there's some challenges there. But anyway, uh, one Saturday morning, we were getting up. And this, you know, you learn a lot about folks when you go on retreats. And... I was coming upstairs and saw Ed. He was, he was over at the bar uh, in the kitchen there. Everybody was stirring around. We hadn't fixed breakfast yet. Uh, hadn't had showers yet. Some were starting. But uh, noticed something about Ed that's not normal about Ed. And uh, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't brave enough to say anything. I don't think anybody else was either, but they noticed it, except for Tim Lancaster. He come up steps and he was a brave soul 
that would uh, that was going to say something. Now, I, I can't tell what I saw. You just you just have to ask Tim. You know, he just just you just have to ask Tim. It was just something to see. You know, <laughs> just see him after service. But I'll end with this. It's unique for me, this men's group, in one respect. And it, 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 I hold this dearly to my heart, is I get to share in this experience. And I'm the only one that gets to. I get to share in this experience with my dad. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. If you'll join me in a word of prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, Thank you for this opportunity to gather together this morning in celebration of the great life of this church and the many works that you're doing throughout the many men in this church. I thank you for the opportunity to be here to serve with these many wonderful people that you've brought here as well. I pray that you be with the many requests that may burden our hearts this morning, the many folks that may be suffering of illness this morning or that may be grieving loss in their family. I pray that you would come for them this morning and be with them. To those who are going to come and share a little bit of their life this morning, a little bit of their reflection with you, Father, and with each one of us, I pray that you would touch their hearts, guide their words this morning, that their words would come just from a deep sense of experiencing you through each other. I thank you so much again for each person gathered here. I pray you'd be with the offering that we collect, that it would go towards the furtherance of your kingdom and through the service to others. And I thank you again for this day and pray that you'd be with each one of us as we go from this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'd just like to add that uh, it's my honor and I'm very privileged to be a part of this men's group on Sunday morning. It has been a blessing to me and to my family. So I'm, I thank you guys for letting me be a part of it. The scripture reading this morning uh, is gonna come from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 30, and Matthew 26, 20 through 30. Um, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And since today is uh, Emphasis is on the Lord's Supper. That's what these scriptures will be pertaining to. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he 
who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Now, Matthew 26, 20 through 30. When evening had come, he sat down with the 12. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Good morning. I too, before I begin sharing with you, I'd like to again speak to the men's Bible study. This is, a men, this is a group of men who have become brothers in Christ. Uh, it is a, a time I cherish every Sunday morning. When we first started and they said we were going to meet at 8 o'clock, and I was one of the 12, and we always found it unique that at our first meeting there were 12. Uh, and we always felt that God was leading us to do more. But when I found out they were going to meet at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, I thought, why can't we meet at four in the afternoon? But I went at eight o'clock in the morning. And I say this with all sincerity. If they need to change the time to 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, count me in. I'll be there. And I would encourage any of you men to join us. We had 20 men this morning, and we know of two or three of our regulars who were not there. So it's a good group. It, I assure you, just come and give us a try. Uh, I think you will, you will be blessed. I think it's very appropriate this morning that I speak about bread. Some of you might not know, but I just came back off an eight-day cruise. Yesterday, I ate more bread in a week than I ate in the last year. There were eight of us that went together, and we go into our evening meal, and the table there would have two big baskets of bread. First night, I reached in my hand, I reached in my ba the basket to get a piece of bread, and I pulled out Lynn Surratt's hand. Because <laughs> he was quicker than I was. He got it bread first. So, first time the waiter came back, said, y'all need anything? We said, yeah, more bread. So we ate bread. 
But that is not the bread I want to speak to you about this morning. I joined this church at the age of 11, 61 years ago. If we've had a minimum of four Lord's Suppers per year, that's one a quarter, which is kind of an average, that would mean that I had had the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper 244 times. Now, I know I didn't make all of those, but my point is that in my Christian life, I have participated in a lot of Lord's Suppers. So when we actually decided for our men's Bible study, and that is usually a decision we talk about and discuss what we want to discuss for the next few weeks. So when we decided to do the Lord's Supper, uh, to study about the Lord's Supper, I thought, what could I, be, what could I learn? You know, I've been doing this basically all my life. What is there to learn? More to learn about the Lord's Supper. But when we began to take an in-depth look at the scriptures and discuss what it really says, and I began to examine myself and how I feel when taking part in the Lord's Supper, I realized I had not really been participating at all. Oh, I went through the motions of taking my piece of bread and waiting for the preacher to tell me to eat it, but I didn't really get it as to what it actually represents until this Bible study. A long time ago, I used to teach. I used to teach accounting. A lot of principles in accounting. And you know, you'd go over these principles every, every class. Debits on the left, credits on the right. Time after time after time, and it just seemed, they can't get it. They just don't get it. And then you would actually be able to tell when a student got it, when the light come on. Well, this is what happened to me during the time of really looking at the scripture and discussing with the other members of our Bible study group what taking of the bread is all about. As Lynn shared, and I'd like to read once more, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After hearing that verse for the thousandth time, I realized this is not a piece of bread I'm eating. This is the body of Christ. The body of Christ I am taking into my body. I'm taking into my body. Why? I'm taking it into my body so that I can have Christ in me, so that I can be more Christ-like, so I can live more like Christ. This is what he's telling me when he says, this is my body which is for you. It's not just a small piece of bread I hold in my hand while waiting for the preacher to say a few words and tell me to eat it. No, I'm holding in my hand the body of Christ. It's not about breaking bread together for physical strength. It's about taking in the body of Christ for spiritual strength, to live more like Christ. While I wasn't too excited about doing this study, I'm so glad we did. If we had not done this study, I might have not ever got it. 
I will never again feel the same way I did during the Lord's Supper. I used to think we had them too often, especially when Connie, my wife, was making the bread for them. Seemed like every time I turned around, she's making bread. This is a little sidebar too. Every, every time she would make it, she would ask me to eat. Now this is a small piece of unleavened bread. She would ask me to eat one to see if I thought they tasted good, tasted right. Does anybody think the unleavened bread tastes good? How do you answer that question? But anyway, I used to think we had them too often. Now I think maybe we don't have them often enough. Maybe we should have one every month, every week, every day. So we could be filled with the body of Christ. I challenge each of you to examine how you feel when we are celebrating the Lord's Supper. Are you taking in a piece of bread or are you taking in the body of Christ? Luke also shares with us in 22 verse 19, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we're given five minutes and I don't think I took my five. So I defer the remainder of my time to Mr. Beeson. Somebody made a mistake here a while back and asked me the question, said, what do you know, Ed? I said, well, let me tell you something. I said, I know everything there is to know about everything that don't make any difference. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, as, as, Tommy, as Tommy has alluded to, I, I used to, I'm 73 years old, folks. And I, you know, I, I, I thought, I, I just thought I knew, I just thought I knew it all. You know, I did. I, I thought, well, you know, I, I, I've always thought, well, you know, I'm smarter than the average bear. And so I thought I knew it. But when we began this study about the Lord's Supper, and about the significance of it and about my part and how I felt about this. Folks, Ed Beeson was in for a rude awakening. I was in for a rude awakening. Dr. Joe just has the natural ability to challenge your mind. And I thank him for that. And over the weeks that we have been engaged or were engaged in this study, my mind must have traveled a million miles. It made me think. It made me realize, Ed Beeson, this is a real part of your life as a Christian. And my part, my part of this is the blood, the shed blood of Christ. I think about, I was drawn back and, and I began to think about what the hymn writer, what the hymn writer wrote when he said, 
what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I remember, I remember taking my Bible and I thought there is so much, so much I don't know about this. And I went, I, I took my Bible and I went to the book of John and I read the account of Jesus on the Mount of Olives and how when he drew aside to pray because he was in such anguish over what lay ahead for him. And that anguish and agony was so great that the apostle John writes that his blood, I mean his sweat became his drops of blood. That's how agonizing what Jesus was about to deal with was for him. That the sweat actually became drops of blood. My mind was drawn to the scourging that Jesus took before his crucifixion. And how I've read in the historical part of what a scourging was that oftentimes the victims did not survive it. They actually died. And I think about the blood that must have been on Jesus's body as he made his way to Calvary. My mind was drawn to the crown of thorns that were plaited and then, and then forced on his head. And I think about the blood that probably trickled across his forehead as he made his way to Calvary. I think about the nails that were driven into his hands and his feet. And how the blood must have flown as they were driven deeper and deeper into his body. I think about the spear that pierced, that pierced his side and how the scripture says that from that piercing blood and water flowed. Folks, my Lord, my Lord died an agonizing death. He did shed his blood and he shed that blood not only for me, but he shed it for all of us. And I look at the scripture, I look at the scripture here in Luke 22, verses 17 and 18, that says that after taking the cup, 
he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then I'd also like to share with you verse 20. It says that in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant, is the new covenant in my body, which is poured out for you. Christ shed his blood. His blood was spilt. It was poured out for a sinner like me. The Lord's Supper does have a new meaning. That while I stand and I hold that cup, I realize now that this truly is the blood that has washed away all of my sins. It's a good view from up here. Look up there in the balcony, I feel like I'm substituting at Crest High School. <laughs> uh, my part is about remembrance and what Jesus meant when he talked about remembrance of me. My first remembrance of the Lord's Supper was when I was about four or five years old. And my mom and daddy was in charge of getting the, the sacraments, the bread and the juice for, for Double Springs Church. And I can remember going up to Oscar Griggs store and they'd get a loaf of bread and, and some bottles of Welch's grape juice and take it home. And that night they'd get the bread out and <clears throat> take a knife and cut it into little bitty squares. And uh, we didn't have unleavened bread, Tommy. It was, it was pretty good bread. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, the juice was pretty good. They'd take it to church the next day and pour it in a little bitty glasses. And uh, at that stage of my Christian pilgrimage, I really didn't have a good idea about the Lord's Supper. And uh, my idea is that it was an after-church snack. And I'd go down usually after church and finish whatever bread was left and the juice. Uh, what does Jesus want us to remember when we take the Lord's Supper? I think one thing he wants us to remember is that we can have, because of him, we can have a relationship with God. We can know God and God can know us because of Jesus coming and living amongst us as God and as a man. Uh, have you ever had a parent or a child, a real good friend that you wish you could really know and understand and that they could really know and understand you? If you could become them for just a little while and feel what they feel and experience what they experience, you could know them and understand them. And by the same token, if they could become you, they could know and understand you. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and lived amongst us and gave us a chance to have a relationship with God so that we really knew him. <clears throat> Another thing he wants us to remember is how to live. How to live so that we have life more abundantly. Now, how do you do that? I think he showed us how we live and love our friends and our enemies. 
and that gives us life more abundantly. Jesus wants us to remember that when we take the Lord's Supper, that we can have life more abundantly by living like him. A third thing Jesus wants us to remember, I think, is that we're saved. Now, all my life, and I'm sure all y'all's lives, you've heard about being saved, that Jesus saves us. And I can remember thinking, well, how? How how does Jesus save us? What? Oh, he died on the cross. Well, how did that save us? What did his dying on the cross do for us? And one idea that that I've heard uh, espoused is that all the sins of the world all get together and Jesus takes them upon his shoulders. And we don't have to worry about our sins because Jesus has all the sins. I couldn't understand that. Uh, I think probably the men in the Bible study would believe I couldn't understand that. Uh, Another idea that I've heard a lot is that a blood sacrifice was required and Jesus provided the blood sacrifice on the cross. Again, man, I couldn't understand that. I didn't, I didn't follow the idea of a blood sacrifice. It's maybe a shortcoming on my part. But <clears throat> another idea, and the idea that I find the most appealing is what Jesus said on the cross at the very point of our salvation, the words that he said were forgive them, Lord, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, as a little boy, I used to think he was talking about the Roman soldiers that nailed him up there. And I thought that was pretty good for him to be willing to forgive somebody nailed him on the cross. But I don't think that's what he meant. He wasn't talking about just the Roman soldiers. He was talking about mankind. He was saying, Father, forgive mankind for they know not what they do. Or they can't help it. I don't know if he, they, they, that they can't help it, but they at least, they don't even know when they're sinning. They sin and don't even know it. So Father, forgive them. And God did forgive us. He didn't forgive us because we said the right words. He didn't forgive us because we performed the right rituals. He forgave us because of grace. He gives us grace. He forgave us because he loves us and wants to forgive us and wants us to know that he forgives us. That's another thing, maybe the most important thing that Jesus wants us to remember when he says, do this in remembrance of me. So I've talked about three things. Talked about remembering the relationship we have with God because of Jesus and remembering how we can live to have life more abundantly because of Jesus. And again, how we are saved and forgiven for our sins through grace from God. And it's because of Jesus. Thank you. When we first started talking about this Sunday in our men's Bible study group, the conversation went toward communion. I thought the thing I wanted to talk about was intention, uh, taking communion by intention. But um, as I prayed about it and read scripture and uh, something jumped out at me, Tommy was speaking about the bread and how the bread was the body of Christ. Um, Ed was speaking 
on the blood and it being the true blood of Christ. And, and Mike talking about how um, remembrance, how we need to put this in our memory and it be part of our heart. Um, so I thought to myself, what was missing? And um, it popped out to me in some scripture. And I'm going to read some more scripture. It'll, it'll be, it is a lengthy scripture, but I think it'll pop out to you as well. So I'm going to be reading um, John 13, 1 through 7, and then verses 34 and 35. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that it was his hour was coming, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them away with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto the Lord, Dost thou wash my feet? Jesus said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus answered him, If I, if I wash thee not, thou hast not part of, with me. Simon Peter said unto the Lord, Not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not, um, not save to my feet, but clean every, um, everything else. And ye clean but not that, but just all. For he knew he who should betray him. And there he said, ye are, not, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed his feet, and I had taken and he had taken his garments, he set them down. He said to them, Know ye what I have done for you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, because that I am. If I am then your Master and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to, you also ought to wash others' feet. For I have given you example that you should do as I have done. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And then verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. But by this all men will know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. After hearing the scripture, it was obvious to me the thing that we did not speak about today was service. And so um, after being forgiven, after I repent, and after being asked for forgiveness, which I think is part of the communion, and then receiving that forgiveness, I need to serve. One of the last things Jesus did was serve his disciples. I don't know about you, 
Um, but it's hard for me to imagine spending three or four years with my Lord and Savior and then Him coming to me and washing my feet. Um, I believe that Jesus did that as one of His last, last acts for His disciples to emphasize what they and what we should be doing. We should be serving. We should serve here at church. Um, we should serve each other in our Bible study groups. We should serve in our home and in our community. One more time, Jesus said in verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By doing this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So I guess the question is, who should we serve? Um, fellow Christians in our church? Well, that seems easy most of the time. Fellow uh, family members? That should be easy most of the time as well, as long as you're not selfish and I'm not selfish. What about the lost? I see empty pews. There's people lost out there. What about those who despise you? What about that person you just can't stand at work or they can't stand you? And then last, what about the homeless? Christ answered, answered all of those. Was well, yes, you should serve them. So today, I ask that you take the time to pray and meditate and talk to God. And I think he'll give you an opportunity to serve. Um, all you have to do is go through the door as he opens it. Could we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to pray again for my brother John. Lord, I miss him. I know he misses us. Let him feel your peace and your healing. And let him know your presence this very moment in time. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my Savior. Amen. Wow. Ed, I owe you an apology for not saying amen louder. And I am sorry. But amen. These brothers that spoke, man, you know why I show up now. Eight o'clock. Wow, eight o'clock. Um, I'm honored to be with you this morning. I'm more than blessed by the music. Gentlemen, this morning, you went to a place I live, and thanks for the homecoming there. I really love that. Uh, my name's Harvey Whistner. My wife and I, Linda, we live in Bowling Springs, north. We have to say north now that my son lives in, Bowling, in Spartanburg. You have to differentiate north or south when you do introductions. So that's where we are, and we love being here. Uh, since time began, men have gathered around a campfire, pot-bellied stove at a country store or in a security of a house of worship. Together just to make small talk, solve problems, pass stories forward. It's just what we do. And also to study the Word of God. Sure, we garner some wisdom. We engage in generic foolishness more often than not. And we share heartfelt concerns. But there is a spiritual product or byproduct to these gatherings. Um, let me just read you 
what came to me one Sunday morning, again, um, is from Proverbs 27, 17, reading from the King James, iron sharpeth iron. So a man sharpeth the countenance of his friend. Now there again, King James, you have to understand the sharpness and then the countenance and some of that. But I found a way, I was looking a little deeper. Deeper. I remembered that scripture one morning as I came to this Bible study that I was invited to by Tommy Green, and I thank him very much for that. Eight o'clock's not a normal-ish activity time for us unless it's a, a stringent appointment with a doctor now that we're retired. But I now, I seldom miss and I love coming. And I've been late a, well, a few times, maybe more than a few, but I show up. And I, look, I did dig a little deeper into that parable. And let me, let me read that to you in a little different translation. It's the Amplified Bible, which I, I go to all when I go, as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. So there's a spiritual component to all this gathering and being together. And God sort of put that in there as a natural thing for us. So we help each other become better each other's and we sharpen each other. Um, well, I guess think the, war, the armor of God. One of the components to the armor of God is a sword of the spirit. And I feel like we sharpen that sword of the spirit. It is the word of God. And we just kind of build each other up and we give ourselves a better offense uh, when we do battle for each other and for ourselves. So that all happens when we gather, share our concerns, and are with our brothers in Christ and study the Word of God together. I'm very blessed to have joined these men just as my grandfather and my father did in the 20s. And I'm Gracious that they let me be included in their Bible study and our discussions about communion, baptism, and currently the power of the Holy Spirit, a little leadership of Dr. Joe. And also I'm honored to have been remembered in their prayers and when I had surgery recently and uh, upcoming trials as well. I look forward to being here with my brothers in Christ each Sunday morning, and I love each and every one of them. And we do help to hone each other and keep a keen edge. Most of all, I take solace in knowing I have allies in whatever battles there are to come. Thank you very much. Blessings to you all.